You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater here with you, wrapping up your week with us on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Find the show wherever you get your podcast. Also, you're listening to us every day, 2 to 4 p.m. on Fox Sports Central Alabama and on ESPN 106.7. Find Levi and us on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. We want you to join into the show. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Packed show for you guys today. Coming up at 2.30, we're going to have Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman. He wrote a glowing column about Gus Malzahn. And in order to prep for that segment, I encourage you, go find him on Twitter, Go through his tweets. You'll find the column on on his Twitter. Go and find it. Go and read it. He's going to talk about it later on in the show. He'll hit the high points, talk about Gus Malzahn a little bit and kind of remembering him as an Auburn football head coach and where he ranks among other coaches in the modern Auburn football era. I tend to agree with a lot of what he said in the discussion and stuff that I've echoed already. It's a good conversation. That will be coming up at 230 p.m. here on the show we're going to start the show off reportedly and I saw this Matt Zenitz broke this on AL.com earlier reportedly Jamie and Sherwood headed to the NFL Levi I think this is a big deal this was the last guy on Auburn's defense that we were looking at that had a chance to take off for the NFL draft or at least that we thought was one of those last names that we were waiting on to see what he was going to do and I think this is a body blow for Auburn. Of course, you can recover from it. It's not a knockout punch for this defense. It's a body blow, though. You're feeling it in your gut. How does this affect the Auburn defense? It's it's a big deal for the Auburn defense to really lose a guy like Jamie and Sherwood. And I think the best thing that really can exemplify that is we were sitting here talking before the show on air, or off air. It's like, so who's going to replace him? We're going through this no guy. No idea. Oh, too tiny. Oh, this guy. Bad in coverage. This guy does this not greatly in this position. More of a free safety. More of a strong safety. More of a cornerback. It was just every time we looked at someone on this team or someone coming in, it really seemed like there was not a good fit. And obviously, Jamie Sherwood's talented. He's going to the NFL draft and assume he's going to be picked in the NFL draft. So anytime you're losing a guy that talented, especially when – you don't really have a guy who can step up and replace him that comes right off the top of your head. It's a big deal. It's like you said, it is a body blow for this Auburn team. And we were we've been talking all week about how the defensive secondary is going to be one of the strong suits of this Auburn team and could be really one of the biggest depth pieces that Auburn has. And now that's just a big that's a big, big shot for Auburn to lose a guy like Sherwood. It doesn't look like anything official is out there yet about Sherwood and I didn't see anything on his Twitter about it 
Once again, this is a it's, a it's, sources say kind of kind of article here. It seems like that's a leaning. It. It's like a leaning thing. Like right, it's he's expected. I say this about Sherwood. If he does indeed take the step to the next level, this is Auburn's losing more than just a, a talented strong safety, or at least I, I don't think he's reached his full potential yet across the top. Which is another reason why I think this is an interesting decision because I, I we talked about this with Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn podcast earlier this week once again go and find our podcast wherever you get your podcast you can go and listen to that segment that was from Wednesday's show we both talked about how we thought it could do him some service to return for another year at Auburn I don't think he has quite made himself as well-rounded as he needs to be or has quite shown on film that he does something really really well to be able to move on to the next level and possibly could improve his draft stock from coming back do I think he gets drafted probably because NFL teams are going to see his athleticism on his tape I think he's probably going to have a pretty good combine people are going to see oh man this guy's six foot two 220 this guy could be an enforcer and that's what I think Auburn's missing now that he's gone more so than just he's a talented player you know hockey teams have enforcers guys that are just supposed to skate around and smash people guys that are just supposed to skate around and crush people into the glass right Auburn's team now is losing one of its primary if not the primary enforcer off of this defense we all know he's a big trash talker some people you know take take it or leave it some people like it some people don't we know that he's a trash talker we know he's a hard-nosed guy I think that would for sure fit into this upcoming system for Auburn and we know that he lays the lumber that he hits hard he's probably the hardest hitting guy on this Auburn defense from the second level beyond so I'm including linebackers and safeties and corners I think he's the hardest hitting player on the defense the next guy would put in that tier up there with him is Jacoby McClain after that everybody else is pretty tame when it comes to contact and just blowing guys up Sherwood's like a targeting threat across the field all like all game long right like Sherwood is no fly zone like you do not come across the field on Jamie and Sherwood and I don't think he's quite reached his potential in college to be able to justify maybe a, a you know a top three round draft pick here in the NFL I'm thinking he's definitely you're looking at day three for him you're thinking Saturday guy when you're thinking Jamie and Sherwood I think but you can still make a roster and you can still pan out safeties it's so hard to evaluate them going into every draft and so Sherwood's definitely I don't I don't think in the forefront but NFL teams can use his athleticism can use his versatility you could move him to linebacker he could be used as a box safety I definitely don't think you'll see him in coverage too much in the NFL there's just different things you could pull him up closer to the line of scrimmage there's a lot of things you can do with Jamie and Sherwood in the NFL with that being said he would have been a great piece to have or, or he could be a great piece to have for Auburn's defense next year for Derek Mason a guy who does a lot of different things shows you a lot of different looks he's versatile with his fronts I I would have loved to see this guy play football at Auburn next year and once again nothing official at the moment nothing, nothing that I've seen yet unless it's happened since we've gone on air nothing that I've seen yet about Sherwood leaving Auburn other than it's expected to happen based on uh, based on a few reports out there L.com was the one that I saw that Matt Zinnitz broke and so Auburn's losing an enforcer across the top and I think that's something to be said about a defense that moving forward needs to develop an identity and the identity I feel like they need to uphold as an Auburn defense historically hard-nosed and you're not going to get anything easy. And I felt like Sherwood embodied that to a degree. It's I think it's more 
more or less a uh, bad move on his part. Not maybe not a bad move because Ooh, I mean old words. Yeah, not really a bad move, but I think Pointed he words. could have used he could have really used another year of development. I think to really improve his draft stock, especially with a coach like Derek Mason, who is going to get the most out of a guy like him. So again, oh, I can't say it's a bad move. I know that's what I said at the beginning, but it's not really. You know, everybody's got to make their own decision. I just think it would have benefited him to come back to Auburn next season and develop a little bit more, work on some of his cons in his game that he has that could move him, you know, maybe from a day three to a day two guy. I don't think he has really that first. I don't. I think he his his uh, ceiling's probably like the third round if he goes and sure. develops. He could be a day two guy. I could be off here. I mean, I haven't really sat down and said – yeah, let's evaluate Jamie and Sherwood as a bona fide NFL prospect. As soon as that announcement comes, of course, you, you're, people are going to start doing that. I just don't feel like he's been talked about. The reputation, we talked about reputation yesterday in terms of going into the NFL draft versus going into the NBA draft yesterday. And reputation can be changed in, a, in, in the span of a day when it comes to NFL prospects because of something called the Combine. A guy could just blow up on his combine day, and then everybody's just drooling. They're like, oh my gosh, he could jump 40 inches in the air. Oh man, he can run a 4-4. We thought he only ran a 4-5. You know, that that tenth of a second just drives scouts wild. It's enough to make poor decisions on draft day. I'm not saying that Jamie Sherwood would be a poor decision, and his versatility is going to be valued but because it's so hard to frame him in a position in the NFL because of that versatility, I see him more as a day three guy. But, you know, I, I can also I, I could understand someone evaluating him as day two as a as a you know a third round pick, like you just said. I don't think that's out of the equation at all. I just don't know if I'm buying I don't know if I'm buying that this guy's gonna be, you know, a highly sought after by highly sought after, I mean top two rounds. I don't know if I'm buying that. I and can't. I think he could get to that point if he had came back. That, I, that's the whole that's the whole gist of what we're saying right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I really think that he could have maybe peaked into the second round with an amazing year, but I really think that he— Nobody on this defense had an amazing year. No. Nobody. And he could have had one. Maybe Colby Wooden. Could have had one next year. Maybe Colby Wooden, because of our expectations going into this season, had an amazing year, like— Based off I, amazing of, here is not the way to describe it just a you exceeded expectations yes based off of perspective and you know you overperformed you had an amazing year he Jamie Sherwood could have came back and had he could have had a monster year this upcoming year we don't know could have elevated elevated himself into the second or third round every and, year I want to see guys add things to their toolbox and I don't think we saw really any Auburn players on this defense add something to their toolbox if anything, this Auburn defense regressed, right? It like, seemed like they regressed over time this past year, at least from the year prior to this year. For whatever reason, I, ha- I find it hard to believe, and Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson were phenomenal players. I have a hard time believing that it was just those two guys holding this whole unit together. There's no way. I have, a, Especially with the way the, all of these position groups have been recruited. Auburn recruits really well on defense, so I, I have a hard time believing that it was just those two. For whatever reason, this group took a step back. So now the question that is that is begged to be answered now is, who could fill his place at strong safety? And I may have said this earlier, but there there just aren't six foot two, 220 guys with speed and, and agility. Maybe I shouldn't say speed. It's not like he's a 
fast guy, but he's a quick guy. He's agile. He moves well at safety. There aren't too many six foot two, two hundred twenty pound guys on this defense or on this football team that move as well as Sherwood Sherwood did, and also has the versatility and the be able to the ability to be able to hit like he does. There just aren't too many of those guys running around, and by that I mean there is no one. I, I can't find a single soul on this roster that that can do the things that he was capable of doing at that position because you look at the incoming recruiting class, the safety in this recruiting class right now, and he's the second best recruit according to the 24-7 sports composite that Auburn's got coming in. Amari Harvey, the, the safety coming in, five foot ten and a half, 171 pounds, that shouts that shouts free safety. I that, mean, that's it, not six two two twenty. It doesn't fit. seem. It just does not seem that he could. That's come fifty in. pounds lighter. That's fifty pounds lighter. It's just not. It's it's not a fit. It's not a fit for a replacement of Jamie Sherwood. Not to say that you couldn't have someone five ten and a half one seventy one at at strong safety because I think the trend in defensive backfields across all of football is they're getting smaller and faster, and more athletic. Of course, Auburn has Zion Puckett on their roster from the previous recruiting class that was a four-star prospect, the number 12 safety of his class in 2019. Six-foot-200 could could fit in at strong safety next year. It's just Auburn's not overly deep at safety. They, they, they seem to be about too deep going into this year. Jordan Peters is gone. Of course, Christian Tutt announced that he's coming back, but he doesn't play safety. He plays nickelback. I don't know if he should be playing nickelback at Auburn, but he is a nickelback for Auburn. It's just Auburn's not a Auburn's not overly deep at safety at the moment. It's not and by deep, I mean also more so than just having bodies. It's more about it's more than just having bodies. It's having experience, it's having talent, and I don't know if Auburn has shown that at the safety position beyond Smoke Monday and Jamie and Sherwood. I I don't see it either. And I even still have questions about smoke monday at safety as well nothing against the guy just don't think we've seen fully him develop into what he possibly can be which is a big thing for him coming back smoke monday definitely needed some time back on the auburn football roster so interesting things this is big news if Sherwood does go to the nfl and, and how it affects the auburn defense because that's that's a position that i instantly think at strong safety becomes a weakness for auburn where i think it's been something that you could rely on for for the past four or five years i even think stretching back before Sherwood when you had you know Denson and, and, and Steven Roberts and other guys like that roaming the secondary it, it's something that needs to improve we got more of on the line coming up on the other side of this break you are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater we'll be right back You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join into the show, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. About 12 minutes away from Christian Clemente joining us on the line today at AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman. Call into the show. Tell us what you think about who could replace Jamie and Sherwood in the, in the, the third level for Auburn at, at strong safety. He's versatile. I don't know if there's anybody on this roster that could do the things he was capable of doing for the Auburn Tigers. Noel Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. 
And that's a big blow. That's a big blow for Auburn. I'm not, we're not going to dig into it too much on this segment. Something that I want to mention before we move on about it is I'm curious. This isn't going to happen. I know this isn't going to happen. This is just me throwing something out there that just full disclaimer, this won't happen, but listen to it anyway. Owen Papo plays linebacker at Auburn, of course. He's athletic as all get out. Now, I don't think he can cover, which is, which you is a big... You have to work on the coverage part right, of it first. He can't cover... And I also question about his agility and space. I think when this Auburn defense has been spread out and put out on the perimeter and running backs have been able to get out on the edge, I think there's really only been one player that's been able to, or two players that have been able to play out on the edge, and that's probably Sherwood and Zacoby McLean. Papo's a good linebacker, but when you're talking about his size, his speed, and athleticism at the linebacker position, and then that versus what the typical size and weight is and play style of three four linebackers in Derek Mason's scheme I wonder where Papo fits in at let me let me tell you what what Papo's size is right now versus Jamie Sherwood Sherwood was six foot 220 Papo's six one two twenty two just saying just saying now I don't think he's going to move from linebacker and he definitely doesn't move as effectively as Sherwood did at that height and weight right and that's why Papo's playing linebacker as opposed to safety but I'd be interested, especially when you're talking about when Sherwood came up and played box safety, when Sherwood was brought up closer to the line of scrimmage as a run stopper. That's a place where I think Papo could really excel next year. I don't know where he's going to, I don't know where Papo is going to be at in a 3 4 front. If he's going to be placed in an outside linebacker role, if he's going to be on the inside, I have questions about how large he is, if he's going to be able to play in an inside linebacker role in the 3 4, because those inside linebackers. Their responsibility is twofold in the 3-4. In the run-stop game, you know they've got to be big enough to go and, and fill the gaps and take on one of the offensive linemen. In the second level, though, when it's passing, they've got to be able to drop back a lot of times into zone coverage and, and cover the middle of the field, and you have to be agile enough to do that, which I think Papo fills that role decently. I wonder about the size at the inside linebacker spot. So then you could see him come in at outside linebacker and maybe as a pass rusher. I don't know. Heights and weights, not not as much heights. Most people aren't going to grow, so exclude heights, actually. Just the weights. I'm curious at the linebackers' weights next year. There's reports out there about, you know, T.D. Moultrie coming back. Of course, T.D. Moultrie is coming back, but moving to linebacker, what's that going to look like for him? He'll he'll have to trim down. I mean, he's been lining up as a defensive lineman. He's going to have to trim down. He'll probably trim down to around like 250. 255 we'd assume what does papo look like zucobi mcclain's a small linebacker six foot 211 that i wonder if that changes if not a lot of it's going to come down to recruiting the personnel at linebacker for auburn moving forward if they're going to you know if they're going to take big steps forward as far as personnel matchups and whatnot in the in the three four defense but let's move on to the show let's take a look at the nfl postseason schedule for this weekend we're going to make our nfl picks on on the line here and keeping up with us and you and I did pretty well last week I don't have our 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 last week picks in front of us I guess we both had we both had Green Bay and Kansas City advancing (laughs) I think I think we got most of them right we definitely had the well you said Tampa Bay would lose yeah that one was but I over I overrode you and 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 we got Tom into the second round so I think was it not closer than you thought it was going to be though 100 percent yeah 
So I'll, I'll say this. Had a shot. Had the a only chance. one we did get wrong was the Seahawks last week. So we had a good week last week because we had the Browns moving on as well against the Steelers. Let's start it off. Saturday slate of games here, 3.35 p.m. on Fox, Los Angeles Rams at the Green Bay Packers. I don't trust I don't I just don't trust Jared Goff in this situation because of the injury and again California Would you trust him in this situation anyway? I would trust him better if he wasn't hurt. Sure. But again, of course. it's not a great situation to be in, you know, California kid, California team going up into Green Bay at Lambeau Field. But there is a thing that a part of this that is kind of getting overlooked and that's the Rams defense, you know, right probably the best defense in the NFL right now. And if you look back at Aaron Rodgers this year, he's really struggled against good defenses. If you think about it, all the losses this year, except for the Minnesota Vikings, that one was a weird game, probably one of the worst defenses. He's lost to good defenses, Tampa Bay, Indianapolis being two of them. And he hasn't played well against you know teams like the Bears, who have been a pretty defensive team. He played the Saints earlier this year, and the Saints defense at that time was not a top defense. They kind of actually turned it around after that Green Bay game and have snuck into the top five defensive rankings. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Rams defense can contain Aaron Rodgers. I think that's the biggest matchup to look out for here. And if Jared Goff and that offense can come out and play at least semi-competently, I think their defense can kind of hold them in this game for a while. I think it'll be a close game. Again, I think the injury is what's really to Jared Goff is what's going to hamper them in being able to keep up with the Packers because I think they contain them but you can't really stop this Green Bay offense, so I think they'll limit it. Defense will keep them in it, but then I think, again, the Packers injuries. Win. I think the Packers will win, but I think it will be close. I'm going to be rooting for the Rams, obviously, but again, I think Packers win. Packers are my Super Bowl favorite in this postseason. That's who I think is going to win this thing. I, they were my pick last week. This was the, and it, it, We had the Seahawks in this game, I guess. Well, no, we had the Packers playing... I guess it would have been Packers-Buccaneers we would have had in this matchup last week when we did our bracket, but Aaron Rodgers versus Jared Goff. Rodgers is no stranger to the NFC Championship game. Went last year. This team's more complete than it was last year. They're also playing better football than they were going into the playoffs last year. A big reason why they got whooped in that NFC title game last season. So I like the Packers to win this one. Just a complete football team right now. I can't find any issues with Green Bay in terms of them making it to the Super Bowl this year other than you know just generally playoff uh, I'm trying to think of the right word that this is just football happens right just, just football random, happens, random NFL right? football happens right yeah. let's move it on 7 15 p.m. NBC on Saturday Baltimore Ravens at the Buffalo Bills yeah this is the upset this is the upset of the week I think the Ravens are going to beat the Bills I think they are equipped to beat the Buffalo Bills. You want to think of how you're going to stop this offense? Well, have a pretty good defense. That's one way to do it. Another way, run the football effectively, and I think the Ravens are going to be able to run the football, keep it away from Josh Allen and the Bills. You have Lamar, J.K. Dobbins are probably going to run, you know, milk the clock, eat up a lot of time, keep it out of Josh Allen's hands. And again, if you're giving me a close game like this, it's a two-and-a-half-point spread right now when, honestly, it could probably move to a pick around the time the game starts off. Give me Harbaugh. Give me Harbaugh, the defense, the special teams. I trust him to get it going. I think a lot of people are sleeping on this Ravens team. As I told you, this is my team to come out of the AFC. Because, again, I think people are sleeping on them. I think this is a talented roster, top to bottom. little weak at the wide receiver position. But, again, I think they can go into Buffalo, control the tempo of this game, keep it out of Josh Allen's hands. And I think they come away victorious. Simple stat here before we move on to the next one. Ravens win. 
because of what Buffalo does in defending the run. 163 rush yards allowed per game. That's not a good recipe for the quarterback, Lamar Jackson, who you're going to play against. They also give up 309 pass yards a game, giving up egregious amounts of yards. When we look at defenses here between these two teams, everybody just forgot that Baltimore's got a great defense after they went through that COVID slide. They're only giving up 13 a game. Come on. Lamar Jackson here going against that against that defense in Buffalo right now that's not defending the run well. I like the Ravens as well. Browns Chiefs, it's the early game on Sunday. I'm seeing a lot of people hopping on the Cleveland plus 10 bandwagon, and that does, Cleveland, not, baby. That does not bode well for me. I, I think the Browns secondary has been suspect all year. 100%. I think Denzel Patrick Ward Mahomes, is back, though. He is back, but I still think Patrick Mahomes, I think he's going to dissect the defense. I think to actually quote you i think he's going to dissect this that's defense. right i've said that for two weeks now <laughs> i think he's going to dissect the defense he's going to throw all over this team they're rested they're healthy I, I think this might be a 17 point game when it's all said and done and the chiefs end up winning it pretty big unfortunately i agree with you you, you even you know quoted me in saying that I, that you think the chiefs are going to dissect the Browns' secondary they, they've been hampered by covid they've been hampered by injuries they're probably not 100% and they're playing a very deep receiving core with the best quarterback in the NFL right now and so Patrick Mahomes Chiefs they advance I don't think the Chiefs are playing great ball right now and I don't think they win the Super Bowl but they do at least advance to the AFC championship game and we're gonna have a good AFC championship game we've got to squeeze a pick in here really quick we got a minute and a half you got to get me there all right you got to get me there Buccaneers Saints oh it's easy I mean just look at this season look at what the Saints have done to Tom Brady defensively this season it's not going to be any different. I don't care what you want to say. I don't care if you want to say it's hard. That, Levi's a Saints fan. That biggest, the the biggest thing of, oh, it's hard to beat a team three times in the NFL. That's a lazy stat. That's a bad take. I don't care. The Saints defense, they're going to get after Tom Brady. Trey Hendrickson is going to end up playing this week. They're going to get all the pressure on Brady. He's not going to have anywhere to go with the football. It's going to be easy easy saints win in the dome i don't want to hear it first team to sweep the nfc south they're also going to be the first team to beat another nfc south team in the playoffs after sweeping the south won't even be close you've seen the longest yard right yeah 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 okay so you've seen the the longest yard and and, you know terry cruz is in that and he you know he's the he's the guy with the mcdonald's hookup in prison and he says it ain't easy being cheesy one of my favorite i i I came up with this i I say it ain't easy being drew breezy okay (laughs) and give me drew breezy in this ball game against the tampa bay buccaneers talk about a team that's hampered by injury by covid that's the buccaneers saints coming with a good defense i think they're going to give tom brady fits i will take the saints as well we got christian clemente on the other side of this break here on on the line Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Noah Gardner on the line with you now joining us on the show today. Christian Clemente of Auburn Sports and also the Auburn Plainsman. Christian, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you, Noah? I'm doing really well, and I appreciate you joining us on the show today. Big reason... Uh, of what I want to talk to you about today is what you recently wrote in, in the in the first edition back of, of the Auburn Plainsman since coming back to campus for the spring semester. 
and you wrote about it. You wrote a column, basically kind of a eulogy. Obviously, Gus Malzahn's not dead, but he's not at Auburn anymore. And kind of a eulogy about Gus Malzahn's career. Hit the high points of that uh, of that column. Don't obviously don't give it away because we want people to go read it. But hit the high points. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about and kind of remind Auburn fans how much Gus really did for Auburn. I mean, in his eight years as head coach, and then obviously beforehand, he was one of the better coaches. He elevated the program, and he did so by doing it the right way. He was, I mean, the players loved playing for him, and that's the biggest thing. You saw the social media outpouring when the news actually came out that Gus was fired, and that was for a reason. That's because they loved playing for him, and he was he was a player's coach, first of all. So I think that's really big, and I think it was big to note just how important Gus was to Auburn during his time here. Do you think Gus Malzahn's firing, and of course, coaching changes are going to prompt massive exoduses out of programs with players, but it feels like more Auburn players than normal might be leaving the program, or at least more players are leaving this program than than what would have happened in a normal coaching change. I mean, you look since the beginning of the 2020 season, there's been some 12 players that have transferred out of the program for the 2021 year, and then that's not even including some of the early departures for the NFL draft where some people might be a little bit more reticent to say that those guys are going to get drafted. Do you think that maybe Gus Malzahn's firing is having a little bit to do with some of the transfers out? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say Gus's firing has something to do with that. I mean, they loved playing for him, and they loved a lot of the staff that he put together, and obviously – Brian Harson is, for the most part, clearing house and bringing in a staff of his own. So I think these players are upset, and they wanted to keep playing for Gus, even if the results necessarily weren't there. But they loved playing for him, so they decided to move on and do something else and find something else that they like. And I don't think that's any indication on Brian Harson either. I think it's just they were so used to Gus Malzahn, and they committed to Auburn to play for Gus, so they didn't really want to play for anybody else. Is there a new culture coming into town? I mean, whenever a new head coach is hired, of course, there, there are going to be changes. There are going to be intricacies with the new coach that isn't the same as the last. Everybody's personality is different. So what's this new culture looking like, at least from the types of guys that he's hiring or, or any little bits of information that you've picked up? Yeah, I would definitely say it's going to be a different culture. It seems like Brian Harson is going to be a lot more on top of it. Not that Gus would let things fly, but... I don't think Brian Harson is going to settle for mistakes. He's not going to be happy, and he made that very clear from day one that he is going to be on top of it, and he's not going to let anything fly. And I think the staff he's putting together seems to have similar a similar mentality towards that same kind of ideal. And I think Gus would let things fly just a little bit more than maybe some other head coaches will. And so I think Brian Harson will be very different in that regard. Talking about recruiting here, and this is me wanting to get your opinion on this. Obviously, Auburn's class a lot lower than what Tiger fans are accustomed to seeing. It can be deceiving. The average star rating of the guys that Auburn has has brought into the class is is about on par for what Gus Malzahn was doing, but it's been left with few commitments going into the signing day period that's coming up in a couple of weeks. What's the best way that Auburn can salvage this recruiting class in terms of the types of personnel that they need to bring in? Uh, well, the first thing they need to bring in now because of all the transfers is running backs. Only having Tank Bigsby and Sean Shivers is a problem for Auburn going forward. And so far it looks like they're dealing with that. They have offers sent out to people in Mississippi and California to three, I think it's a three and a four star running back. And then they're also hitting the transfer portal. 
which is the biggest way I think they're going to be able to salvage this recruiting class and kind of elevate the roster going into the 2021 season because they need guys that can play and they need guys that can play right now, especially you look along the offensive line. And if they can land one offensive tackle or maybe a guard or something like that, they can really boost the play of that offensive line, which desperately needs it. And I think Brian Hudson knows that too. Some of the staff, some of what we're hearing is he's putting together a massive recruiting staff behind the scenes that you're not going to really see where Gus might have had 10 different people involved in scouting and behind the scenes in recruiting, Brian Harson is going to have 20 to 25 people involved in that process. So I think Brian Harson really understands recruiting probably more than Gus did, and he understands that's the thing that's really holding Auburn back from consistently competing. So he's really focused on that. You probably won't be able to see that in the 2021 class because of when he was brought in, it's a little bit too late. But you look at the 2022 class and maybe the 2023 class, and I think he'll be on top of that. Before we switch over to basketball, last question here about football. What would be your message to Auburn fans for a realistic expectation for the 2021 season when you're going through scheme changes and you're going through culture changes and now also probably a lot of personnel changes? It could be a lean year for Auburn. So what is your expectation and your message to Auburn fans about expectations for the 2021 season? Yeah, I think Auburn fans just need to be patient. Rome wasn't built in the day. This is not going to – it's not going to be one of those – like a 2013 season when Gus was first brought on and they went to the national championship game. I'm telling you right now, you can book it. That's, that's not going to happen this year. They're probably not going to be competing for the SEC West, but I do think they'll be probably in the upper half. So I think Gus left enough solid players for Brian Harson to work with that this can still be a good team this year. But it's going to take a little bit of meshing, and you know, maybe 2022 will be more realistic to think about looking at an SEC West championship. Auburn basketball talk, of course, everybody wants to talk about Sharif Cooper right now, and why not? It's Sharif Cooper. He's he's averaging 27 points a game between his first two his first two starts for the Auburn Tigers. The the conversation always shifts to what has Sharif Cooper brought to the table at Auburn that maybe other players haven't in the past. Yeah, I mean Sharif Cooper is he's the best player that I've seen at Auburn um, in the limited time that I've seen Auburn basketball. But he is he is something special, man. I was looking at some stats yesterday and just how much he's elevated the pace of play. Even though Sharif Cooper has not consistently knocked down shots, at least deep shots so far, he's still been able to score just on how quick he is and how he's able to elevate the pace of play for Auburn in general. And that's been so big for them. If they're able to get Justin Powell back going into the Kentucky game, this team is really going to – they're really going to take a step forward in SEC play, and that'll be huge for momentum going into next year. You talk about pace of play and just a fact that I want to put out there for people. Going into the Arkansas game, the first game of conference play, if you go and look at KenPom.com and their adjusted tempo ratings, Auburn was at like 174 in the country, so kind of middle of the pack when you're talking there's 350-plus college basketball teams out there. Now they're in the top 100, and that that is something that has started since the beginning of conference play. Of course, they played some up-tempo teams. They played you know, Arkansas, Georgia likes to push the tempo. Alabama does as well. So, of course, they've played some up-tempo teams, but Auburn's ran with those teams on the floor as well. And it looks like, and I, and I want to get your opinion on this, it looks like Auburn's more comfortable playing in an upper-tempo style of play rather than a, a slower half-court style. 
Yeah, and I mean, that's just how it's always kind of been under Bruce Pearl. And unfortunately for Auburn, when they didn't have Sharif Cooper, they just couldn't really do that because Justin Powell and Alan Flanagan and Turbo Jones for a little while just weren't comfortable enough to be able to run an up-tempo offense and kind of push the pace of play. But now that they've got Sharif Cooper back, they can really do what they want. And you look at how much that's benefited the players. I mean, JT Thor, since Sharif Cooper has come back, has started to look incredible. Dylan Cardwell has made some plays with Sharif Cooper. Devin Cambridge has made some plays. Overall, it's really, really helped this team, as we expected it would when Sharif Cooper came back, but even more so than I thought it would initially. I thought it would take a little bit of time for them to kind of get things rolling. And granted, it's not perfect right now, but it looks a lot better than I expected. Something we've talked about throughout the week, and probably a little bit too much, considering he's only played two games for Auburn and they're still half of a season left to play or at least a month and a half left to play for Auburn in their case since they won't be in the postseason. Sharif Cooper to NBA looks like he's on NBA draft boards according to some mock drafts having him in in that first round but you know any early thoughts on Sharif Cooper staying at Auburn for another year I know a lot of Auburn fans are afraid of losing him. Yeah I mean they're afraid of losing him and for good reason I, I definitely would not be shocked if he goes to the draft my personal gut feeling is that Bruce Pearl is going to be able to sell him on, hey, come back for one more season and we can compete for a national championship, which is what I think the bar is set out for next year, bringing in Jabari Smith and Trey Alexander and probably keeping this whole roster. But I think Auburn fans also need to realize, even if they don't keep Sharif Cooper, that'll be an opening starting point guard role and Bruce Pearl will be able to hit the transfer market, get a solid transfer starting point guard, and I think Auburn will still be in a great spot. With that said, I still personally would expect to see Shreve Cooper back for Auburn next year. I still wouldn't be shocked if they hit the transfer portal this year, possibly for a backup point guard next year. I know I know Justin Powell's played great in his role at point guard when he's had to shift over, but I, I think maybe they want to play him at the two. They could go and try and find a Javon McCormick-like type like they did when Jared Harper was still running the point for the Tigers. Last question here for you in terms of the Kentucky game tomorrow. What are your thoughts on how it's going to unfold? I I actually picked Auburn to win this game. I I like the direction that this team is going, and especially if Justin Powell can come back, which we'll get a little bit more of an indication on that when we talk to Bruce Pearl this afternoon. But he did practice on Monday. He obviously didn't play against Georgia. But if he's able to come back, that'll be huge. And I just, I don't know, I like the way Auburn is playing so far. JT Thor has stepped up under Shreve Cooper. Everybody has got their game elevated by Shreve Cooper coming back, and I just have not seen enough out of Kentucky to make me think they're going to be able to come to Auburn Arena and pull off a win. It's all about guard play. Kentucky's guards right now, they are struggling on the offensive end of the floor. Christian Clemente, appreciate you joining us on the show today. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at cclemente with an underscore at the end, and then you can also find my work at auburnsports.com and theplainsman.com. Christian Clemente. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you for having me on. Big thank you to Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman for joining us in our last segment. If you missed that conversation, go and check it out on our podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, just search On The Line. You'll be able to find us and listen to any show ever done by On The Line. So make sure you go and check that out. You won't want to miss that conversation that we just had with Christian Clemente. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. Find us on Twitter at Point Gardner and at 
Levi Fitzwater. Let's take a look at what's on tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It's Friday and that means a new episode of Shark Tank at 7 on ABC. Some people like to read books or watch TV for fun. Others like to chase tornadoes. Twister is on AMC at 7. There are Star Trek folks and there are Star Wars folks. Tonight, Trekkies can watch Star Trek at 7 on BBC. Grab a blanket and your significant other and ponder the sadness of 51st Dates on E! at 6.30. The Friday Night Live sports schedule is limited but intriguing especially in the NBA. Two games are on ESPN starting at 6.30 with Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks at Giannis Antetokounmpo in the Milwaukee Bucks. At 9, LeBron James and the Lakers host Zion Williamson and the Pelicans. Let's take a look at college basketball slate starting at 6. Duquesne at St. Bonaventure on ESPNU and Bowling Green at Buffalo on CBS Sports Network. Out on the West Coast, Fresno State takes on Nevada at 10 on FS1. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. We just put up a Twitter poll on ESPN 106.7. Just go and find that at ESPN 106.7. On the line poll, which NFL matchup? We'll see an upset this weekend. Packers, Rams, Ravens, Bills, Browns, Chiefs, Bucks, Saints, and hot out the gates, Ravens, Bills. And that's the one you and I both picked in the poll. But 0% for Rams, Packers. And you made a good point. That's the one to watch out for. That's the one that's going to end up happening. <laughs> That's just how that that's just how that normally works. We Don't would be deprived. We would be deprived at that point of a good quarterback matchup in the Super Bowl if that occurred. N- not necessarily, but you lose one of the great quarterbacks off the board at that point. Of course, Tom Brady and or Drew Brees, I guess in this case would be Tom Brady or Drew Brees will still be available in the NFC title game. They'd be going against Jared Goff and you would pray that Tom Brady or Drew Brees would win that to go and play either Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, more than likely based off of our picks that we made today. So you could be deprived possibly of what would be a great, just imagine the gunslinging arm talent of Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, which is indeed what I, what I, have, what I have predicted. But just imagine what that would look like. And then vice versa, what if, what if in your Super Bowl pick, which you had Ravens Packers going at it, well, you also had Ravens Saints. You had Ravens Saints. Yeah, yeah. Ravens Saints. But just imagine Ravens-Packers if Aaron Rodgers' gunslinging arm talent versus run-first speedster extraordinaire Lamar Jackson, who or, can also throw it just a little bit. Or a team like the Saints-Rams versus you know the Ravens where you have a, the opposite. You have that old-school kind of defensive battle with a lot of running Ew. that a lot of people don't like. Ew. I what, love defense, but I don't want to see that in the Super Bowl. I want to see points in the see. Super Bowl. I want to that see that 10-3 Super Bowl. Who even performed at halftime in that one? The ten wasn't that Super the Bowl. Uh, obviously that was that was Rams Patriots, you know, with oh, Sean yeah. McVay in there. But who even performed at that Super Bowl? Well, that Super Bowl didn't happen. That was that that Super Bowl didn't happen. It what didn't, do you mean? It didn't happen. That was a, that's an asterisk Super Bowl. It didn't actually. How's that an asterisk Super Bowl? Oh, because the Rams made it because of the Nikel Roby Coleman thing. Yeah, that I thought happened. they canceled the Super Bowl that year. I didn't even watch. I mean, uh-huh. I just I just rewatched the you know 2009 2010 Super Bowl. You know. Saints, Colts, and Miami. That's what that's what we had watched in my house, you know. So I got a question for you then, because obviously that prompted the review of pass interference the next season in football, and then it's gone again. Did that really make it feel like 2020's review, or it wasn't 2020, 2019's review of pass interference was genuine, or maybe it was just kind of like a Band-Aid to make Saints fans feel better about themselves? Oh, no, it was, it was pretty much just a let's – try to make things better but the refs who are just so egotistical and cannot accept the fact that they're wrong 
Egotistical may not be the right word. I would probably go with incompetent. I don't. Even, I don't think it's that. I think they just love the. I honestly, I don't think they're incompetent. I think they love the power. I think they love to be right, and they hate when other people tell them that they're wrong. And it felt like this was just another thing saying like, "Hey, you guys aren't good at your job. You have to get this right." And they hated it. That's why they never overturned pass interference calls that got reviewed with that rule throughout that year. That's why they got rid of it because they it was not beneficial. They weren't taking it seriously because again, refs just awful, awful. The Jacksonville Jaguars hired Urban Meyer announced that yesterday, probably about 24 hours ago nearly. How do you envision this working out with Urban Meyer once again coming out of retirement? Duval, I love it. I love this. I mean, a lot of people complain and want to throw this fact out there about Urban Meyer and say that he can't win without talent. I think that's kind of false. I think it's a fallacy. He won at Bowling Green. Everybody not can't talented. win without talent. Who can they win without ha- talent? I'm sorry. They have to. He has to have the most talented team. He has what, to have what? the best players. But you know what you you know what you can do with that's that? That's not true. You have so many picks. He has all the picks in the world. He has all this cap space. He has Trevor Lawrence coming in, as you would presume. And I mean, this is a good situation. He. He took good a situation. Place. Pump the brakes on that part. Well, but it's a, no, it's it a could good, become a good it's situation. A, yes, yes, it's a good future situation. Like this is one of the areas where you can come in and say, you know what, this is a bad team, but I have all the power with draft picks, cap. Does space. he have all the power though? Because there were reports before he was hired that Shad Khan was going to have a hand in personnel moves. Well, and I'm going to be honest. Look, the, the Jaguars just won one in fifteen, and I regard the Jaguars organization as one of the most poorly run football organizations in the NFL they're up there and I don't know if I would want if I was Urban Meyer coming in that I would want Shad Khan having control over my personnel moves I mean I would leave either. it to the football guys right I think I think that'll change I think he'll have a big I think at least Urban Meyer will have a big hand in who he's getting if they're going all out on this move you're gonna have to you know you don't hire Urban Meyer and then make picks for Urban Meyer without his at least consultant like I think that of course consult but I, I think I you think just leave it to them all together sometimes too many hands are in the cookie jar when it comes to football programs Auburn fans right now are all silently nodding their heads vigorously <laughs> about their own program but NFL teams the same can be said sometimes there's just too many people in the room to make decisions and so I'm I, I don't think Shad Khan obviously the owner's got to sign off on stuff but like I think they should leave this to Urban Meyer. That's my biggest question. It's GM and Urban Meyer's move here. Like that, I, I look, Khan should write the checks and move on, because leave it to the guys. If you're hiring Urban Meyer, Urban's a, Urban Meyer's a guy who needs to have control over this situation. I think it's going to work out from a culture perspective. Urban Meyer just looks like an NFL head coach to me. I think he treats players like an NFL head coach. We will compare him to his Michigan counterpart or his Michigan adversary, Jim Harbaugh. I think part of the reason why Jim Harbaugh was pushed out of the league so quickly after seeing success, I mean, he got the 49ers in a Super Bowl. After seeing success and being pushed out so quickly is because he's rubbing players and veterans the wrong way. Guys in the league don't want to be talked to certain ways, right? Because now they're now they're getting a paycheck. They're no longer on a college campus. You know, it's a different authority role when you're a head coach in the NFL. Guys have the ability to move. It's like a real-world working scenario. You've got the ability to say, hey, I quit. I'm out. I'm going somewhere else. And so that that's a situation, too. Personnel management, how much role does Urban Meyer have in that? And then on top of that, you know, 
I, I, I want to see what he can do with that personnel management. I want to talk about this in hour number two of On the Line. That's coming up on the other side of this break. Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. We want you to call into the show at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Find Levi and myself on Twitter at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater. Keep up with all the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net. And on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page, follow it on Twitter as well at at Radio AL Sports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. And something that I want to start with the show on On the Line now is Student Body Fridays here. Obviously, it's better for students to come and get on the show at, on a Friday. You know, you're done with your classes and whatnot and, and, and kind of... The genesis of this segment really began today when I when I was talking with Christian Clemente, and we had him on in the first hour. If you happen to miss that, go go and find the podcast wherever you find your podcast. It's going to be my goal every Friday to try and bring in someone who's who's working in the industry, whether it be radio or, or maybe they're trying to do something television related, or if it's digitally or, or written or what, whatever it may be, to try and have someone that is going to school at Auburn, obviously our studio in Auburn. Try and have him come on the show on Fridays, talk some sports with us. Now we've got sports director Jacob Hillman from WEGL 91.1 FM also joining us here today in studio. You're also a big Auburn basketball guy, and you've had some things to say on, on Twitter <laughs> recently about not receiving certain lottery to get into the to get into some some shooty hoops games, right? Well, I'm certainly not the only one. There are plenty of people out there that deserve to have tickets, and they don't quite win this lottery because whether it's I don't know what the lottery is at all, so that's the issue. We, we know nothing <laughs> about really it. Is it really a lottery? It says that if you attended games last season that you are um, supposed to have sure. priority, but I don't really believe that so far. I've only won one. I attended every game last season. Who knows what the priority is like because it doesn't seem like that. And like I said, I know a lot of other people that have not won, but won lottery maybe, and some won zero lotteries, and they attended – every game or all games but one or two last season you're one of those hype dudes who, who get in the line first jacob right yes, like you're I one do. of those guys who are at the glass doors at the front of the line at least pre-covid days and yeah unfortunately you don't unfortunately fortunately we don't get to like last week i made it to the alabama game and you know that morning it was about in the 30 30 35 degrees i was kind of happy i didn't have to stand in line for that one in the freezing cold but <laughs> i would have much rather been doing that than have to scramble for a ticket 
Earlier in the show, once again, we had Christian Clemente of the Auburn Plainsman on as well. He's also with AuburnSports.com. So it's it's great to try and get the student perspective from Auburn and to try and, and hear what's going on when you've got your ear to the ground. You walk amongst the halls. You walk amongst the, the breezeways and the concourses and the classrooms of these student athletes. And, and, and stuff drops today about Jamie and Sherwood taking on for the NFL draft. Not implying that you have any inside information on this, of course, but reports showing up that Jamie and Sherwood taking off for the NFL draft. L.com was one of the first ones to go out with that. How is this going to impact the Auburn defense? I'm I'm opening this up to the floor. Call in 321-1390 or toll-free 888-382-7502. Which one of you guys want to take this first? Jacob, you, you go for it. How is this going to impact the Auburn defense? Well, well, for Auburn, I think that it's just going to give more guys chances. I think Jamie and Sherwood was a really good player. I think I think a lot of people don't give him the credit he deserves. I think a lot of people think, oh, he might go undrafted. I think he's a at least by round five he's going to be drafted. But it'll leave a hole that we haven't seen in the safety position in a few years because it seems like they come in pairs of twos, Daniel Thomas and Jeremiah Denson, and then now Smoke Monday and Jamie and Sherwood. Now that Sherwood's going to leave and Monday's going to stay, you're going to have kind of a pair with experience and then someone without experience who's going to fill that role. Who knows? We'll see who steps up. But it it's going to be a big loss, I think, for Auburn, unless someone can step up somehow in that role. And again, nothing is certain about him leaving as of right now. It's just rumored, and what we have seen so far is where there's smoke, there has been fire, at least with head coaching decision and you know assistant coach's decision, things like that. So, again... We can still hold out a little bit of hope that he comes back. It would be a really big get for Auburn if he does come back. I think Jamie and himself could have really benefited from that next year at Auburn because he has a lot of skills that translate well to the NFL level. He's really physical. He's a physical player. A lot of things that are great about him, but he also has a lot of, you know, I won't say super negatives, but things that he could improve on. He could improve on, you know, man coverage a little bit. Doesn't have a lot of man coverage upside, according to the draft network, some of the things they've said about him. Not the most agile out in space, not a lot of back-end speed, but again, a really good player who I agree with what you said, Jacob. He will be gone by around round five, I believe. But I think if he came back, he probably could have propelled himself into that round three, round two range. If he has an amazing year round two, I think a really good year puts him in round three at you know his floor-ceiling level. But again, he'll be drafted around that that five range. I do agree with that. Auburn's losing an enforcer on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I mean, there's only one other guy who talks as much trash as he does, and it's Smoke Monday. But I don't think Smoke Monday hits as hard as Jamie and Sherwood can. That's a no-fly zone in the secondary. When you're talking about coming across the middle of the field, there, there's there's target jeopardy right there when you're talking about Jamie and Sherwood. I, I'm sure he's been called for it at some point. At some point, if I'm just misremembering, but I'm I, I can't name a specific instance, but I'm sure it's happened to him at some point. Didn't it happen to him right before the Iron Bowl last year? It might have. I know. I know. Smoke Mondays had several targeting calls sure. on him, but Sherwood, yeah, he. I mean, he lays the wood, and so does he's, McLean. He's almost as big as a linebacker, and that's why I think he's bigger than Auburn's linebackers. He is. He's at two twenty. Yeah. Papo's at like two twenty one, and and McLean's at two ten, two eleven. Yeah, and in NFL, it's it's one of those things where you kind of want to have that size. It's almost like he's not going to have the ball hawking skills or the man cover skills because he's bigger and he's not as agile, but he really has everything else in my opinion 
to make it in the NFL. And I, I do agree with Levi that, man, if he came back, he could have propelled himself to a top three round pick. Well, somebody's coming back. It looks like Christian Tut's coming back to the Plains. Is he coming back to the Plains? I don't know what he's doing. Well, he's withdrawn his name from the transfer portal, okay. which which seems to be an indication that he could be returning. See, he, he's just taking it steps at a time. He went to the draft, then he went to the transfer See, portal, and he's back at Auburn. No. Who knows? I think but. he's coming back, right? I mean, the, the timetable with, with Tut was NFL draft, transfer portal, now he's out? Or was it transfer portal, NFL draft, transfer portal, now he's... I, I think he I went think NFL just, draft, yeah, then draft transfer first. portal, and then he, now he's... I think he's coming back to Auburn. And... Somebody, I can't remember who I've t- I can't remember who said that. Somebody in this room said, "Well, maybe it's because just the grass wasn't greener elsewhere outside of Auburn." <laughs> and I awesome. think that definitely rings true on the NFL side of things for a guy like Christian Tut. I don't know what an NFL team would want with drafting an underclassman like Christian Tut at this point. Maybe another year will do him some good and can get him in the league because he's fast, he's agile, moves pretty well. But coverage-wise, <laughs> he, he tackles well. Sure. He, he's very good whenever, uh, I mean, I, whenever a team throws a screen pass. Which is I why he's faith, playing nickelback. Yeah, exactly. I have faith that he's going to get off the block and make a good tackle in the run game. He's good. But, no, you're right. I, I just I don't know what an NFL team would have seen in him. Even even his punt return skills, I mean, he wasn't returning punts at the end of the year. It was Eli Stove. So, And he's shifty when yeah. he gets the ball in his hands, but – they moved him out of that spot because he wasn't sure-handed in actually catching said punt. There have been there have been several yeah. drops with sweet feet back there, the and big, that's where he got his name from. The big reason I think he would have left is Ladarius Tennyson. I think that guy is Tennyson's taking his job. A great player, and exactly that. And I don't blame him for trying to find somewhere else. I think he's got the talent to play in a Power Five conference, maybe lower level than SEC or Auburn. But Tennyson has got it in him. So that that's where I think his thought process was at. I kind of wonder what he would be like with a ball in his hands, Tut. We've seen him with some really fun to watch punt returns, right. mainly two years ago and, and last year to a degree. And I'm not talking about 2020. I'm talking about like 18 and 19. I feel like we saw maybe, maybe he didn't return punts in 18, but I know for a fact in 19, we saw his shiftiness. We saw his ability to take off, get down the field to break some tackles to juke like he had great vision with the ball in his hands on special teams big reason why I think they moved him out of that role this year in exchange for Eli Stove who is not shifty whatsoever cannot create his own space this is because Stove wasn't going to drop a punt Stove's as sure-handed as it comes I mean that that nothing's coming off the stove all right and you look at with Tut uh, mummy hands right (laughs) yeah I mean he, 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 he he had a he had a crucial one against Florida last year that didn't cost Auburn but that was kind of the beginning of those of those woes and then they continued into this season any chance that you see Tut on the offensive side maybe well, that's why like I a, said that like maybe like a if he could really get some hands going he the receiver is being the you know, receiver court being gutted yeah bubble, bubble screen great. that's why I was thinking it was bubble screen but, but I also maybe. don't know I think Auburn fans hear the word bubble screen right now and they're <laughs> like there. please no not it's gotta anymore. be somewhere in your offense the flashbacks sure yeah. but not like a main factor in your offense to where you want to have one specific right. guy and then that would give a personnel package tip there's no way Tut ends up on the offensive side of the ball but it's good for depth at, a, at, a, at the defensive backfield which is now by far with McCreary, Monday, Tut, Tennyson, Simpson, Pritchett, all of those guys. It's the deepest group 
on that side of the ball. And we haven't even talked about Zion Puckett, who hasn't really even gotten on the field as much. Even with Peters and Sherwood gone, it's one of the deepest groups. It's probably the deepest group on this Auburn football team. It definitely is. I, 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 I'm, putting, I'm, I'm saying yes as far as yeah. bodies go and probably even experience with Pritchett and, and Simpson having played a lot this year. It's the most experienced group on Auburn's football team across the board. The only the only position where I'm questioning about, and this is bringing back this discussion full circle to Sherwood, I don't know who's going to replace him at the strong safety spot because it doesn't look like there are too many six foot two, 220-pound guys roaming this defense that were able to move as well as he was and play against the run play against the run as well as he was from that safety position. There's a lot of 5'10", 170 guys. There's a lot of six foot 170 guys. Those guys look like free safeties to me. Those are like Smoke Monday types, which, of course, in today's day and age where safety positions are very hybrid, they have to be able to cover as well. Those were, those end up being at strong safety in today's day and age, but I just don't know. There, I, there's not there's not another Jamie and Sherwood on this roster at safety. At least nobody's reared their head just yet, and that, that, could, be, that could be a detriment for Auburn on the defensive side of the ball going into next year. I mean, is this going to actually – do we think that this is going to affect Auburn in terms of points allowed per game or maybe yards per game? Do we think statistically – we're going to see a drop. Like, you know, you talk about baseball players, you say, you know, wins added, a, or it's war. What, what, what is that acronym for again? Jacob, you know this. War wins, base, um, wins above replacement or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's like how many wins does a guy add? NBA, there's stats for that. You know, there's plus minus. How much does a guy add when they're out there on the field? NFL, we don't really have that. How much does this guy really like? I I think he contributes a lot. I think, but I don't know if we're going to see a big difference, also statistically, by having him off the field. Well, I mean, I think you're going to see linebackers. Come, I mean, you're going to have Chandler Wooten back. You've got Papo and McLean back, obviously. But I think that Wooten was kind of a missing piece because it seemed like the linebackers, at times, whenever they needed the depth, didn't really get it. So I think that Wooten coming back can help that. And TD Moultrie's being inserted into that group. Yeah, it's, it's there's not, at least four now for the three four defense. I don't think that balances <laughs> out with Sherwood leaving, but it certainly helps that these guys are coming back and the the front seven's more experienced. I think that's very important and will help the DBs out, especially Sherwood uh, leaving. My last point on this before we head to break is with a scheme shift. I don't think it's as important. So counterpoint to what Agreed. we've been talking about with Sherwood leaving and how big this is for that for that safety group and can somebody do what he does? No, nobody can do what he does. But I also think the role is going to change at strong safety for Auburn. You, you're probably going to see a strong safety at Auburn that is going to be more relied upon to cover. So you might see some of these guys, these smaller players on the roster, step into that role out there across the top because in the 3-4, your front seven – is heavily involved in the in the running game plain and simple there's a lot of pressure put on those linebackers to do a lot of different things and the safeties and the dbs just across the board the dbs are really just tasked with pass coverage and of course sometimes if you've got a really good run stopping safety they'll find a way to get themselves involved in the running game but for the most part in a 3-4 defense your defensive backfield there is a lot of pressure put on those four guys back there in that third level to, to, to pass cover. And so for Auburn moving forward, I don't think it's a dramatic issue for the Tigers that Sherwood's not coming back, especially if there is a scheme shift. But you are losing an enforcer and a guy who can, who can, who can lay the boom. We got more of On the Line coming back on the other side of this break. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back.
You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater and the Jacob Hillman with us also for Student Body Friday, something that we started today, bringing in an Auburn student working in the industry in, in some form or fashion, inspired by Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman. He joined us in the first hour. Find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Jacob Hillman, you're the sports director of WGL 91.1 FM. Probably a little bit of an odd year for you two and, and what that's been like, but Appreciate you joining us on the show. You're also a college basketball connoisseur, especially of the Auburn variety. That's your flavor. And they're taking on Kentucky tomorrow in a big game. Have you procured a ticket yet? Because I know you were having a hard time yes. a hard time through the lottery system. Yes, I, I have a ticket. I will be in attendance at Auburn Arena tomorrow. Nice. That, that, the all, underground world of Auburn basketball <laughs> COVID tickets. Yeah, it's, it, it's probably been a it's probably been a trip. Well, I mean, lo- up to this point. Or I should say, last week it had been pretty easy. I had friends that got them and were able to offer them to me. But now we're getting to the point where it's Alabama and Kentucky, which is the people games. don't want to give those and up. Everybody wants to go to them, but they didn't want to go to. Well, let's think. What's been a home game that Auburn's had recently? Texas Southern. Sure. That's what, the, what's the, what's the SEC home games? Alabama? Did they play A and M at home? Arkansas, December thirtieth. They played A and M. This is the third home. That's game, right. So okay. And in years previous, they're not going to go to the Missouri games on Wednesday night. It's I can go on a <laughs> I could take up this next sec- segment if you want me to, but we'll, I think we'll talk about things people care about more. It would be unwise for me on Student Body Friday to take shots at <laughs> Auburn student body, so well, I'm not if, going to do that. If you let that. a student do it, I think it's okay. Sure. <laughs> a, a, a Paul Revere-like rally of the troops for you, I know, but there's, there's limited seating. I'm glad you got a seat. So let's talk about how we think it's going to unfold tomorrow for Auburn basketball against Kentucky. We've been spot on this week about Auburn basketball. Takes aren't cold here. They are hot. They are still fresh. And now it's time to pull them out of the refrigerator. They are still good to go. Let's get into not the leftovers of Auburn basketball. Let's heat it back up here. Auburn basketball taking on Kentucky tomorrow. Big game. We've talked about could this be the beginning of a streak for Auburn after beating Georgia? Sharif Cooper. I want to know. Prediction right here. Sharif Cooper more than 20 points tomorrow against the Wildcats. A team that recruited him tightly that he spurned. I don't think so. Because I think the reason... For his crazy silence. I think he's going to end up averaging 20 and 5 once the season's all said and done. But let's look at Five this. assists? Yeah. I'm, oh, come on. Here's <laughs> Just thing. five. Here's the thing. Georgia and Alabama are the third and 12th fastest paced teams in the country. Sure. Kentucky is one of the slower Slowest. ones. They're in the 240s on Kimpom.com. So I don't. You listen to the show. Uh huh. So <laughs> the thing is, I don't think that Sharif's going to drop off like do worse I just think he's not gonna get as many opportunities because of the pacing and stuff now with that being said he's gonna get close to 20 I think 15 to 20 is about right and if he if he drops more than 20 I mean look out because this guy's gonna be in some mock drafts so question I want to pose to the room then now you're talking about pace of play and and Christian Clemente brought that up as well and how Sharif Cooper has pushed that up for Auburn going into conference play Auburn was in like the 170s as far as tempo, they're now in the top 100. Auburn's one of the faster teams. Do you think that's a byproduct of they are actually playing faster on their own accord or because of the teams that they're playing? Is Auburn going to fit their tempo more to who they're playing or are they going? Or is that their identity? Is this the identity of the team? Is this what we should expect moving forward to Auburn? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, they've played teams where they've been able to push it as of late, but also they're 
they want to they want to push it. You have a guy like Sharif Cooper who's going to be able to push it and control tempo like that. But again, matchups have dictated them to be able to go up to that up tempo. And just to kind of go off of what Jacob was saying, if I, I kind of align with him with Sharif Cooper, I think he'll probably have around 15 just because I don't think that he'll get as many opportunities. And I think that I don't think he plays bad. I don't think he plays any worse than he's been playing. I think it's just he's not going to get as many opportunities. But if Auburn does control the tempo and, you know, ends up pushing it and having an up-tempo game, having a lot more possessions on the offensive side of the floor, then, yeah, I think he'll easily hit that 20 mark. It's just I don't think he'll hit it simply because of the fact that I don't think they'll have as many opportunities to get to that 20 mark. I think he needs to be more efficient, and I think a lot of people have said that on Twitter wherever. 100%. That's the biggest drawback. And turnovers, too, are a part of efficiency. He's turning uh, the ball over a little bit, just like everybody yeah, else the is. entire team. Yeah, but they, usage rate plays into turnovers, too, and people don't look at that. He's using. He's the one with the ball. He's ball dominant. He's going he's gonna to turn the ball over. James Harden turning the ball over eight times a game means a little bit different than you know Clint Capella turning the ball over eight times a game. Clint, Clint Capella turning the ball over eight times a game is like, get that guy on the bench, right? Yeah. James Harden over eight times a game is like, okay, yeah, he touched the ball 100% of the time, you know? Yeah, I, I, I do think that Cooper playing against a more talented team in Kentucky. Now, obviously, they're not playing like it, but they are more talented. He's going to be going up against Brandon Boston Jr., their leading scorer and one of the top recruits in the country from last year. He only had five points against Alabama, though. It's going to be a fun matchup still. I just think that this is going to be a little more difficult for him because of the pacing, because of the talent. I still think he's going to play fantastic. I don't think the drop-off is going to be drastic. But it's going to be about 20 points that I think he, I don't know if he'll cross that line, but 15 to 20 is where I'm predicting him at. I think this is the last game that Auburn is on an emotional high. I think this is the last time that we see this Auburn team come out as amped as they've been over the last two games with Sharif Cooper out there. They're going to show up for this game. They're going to get up because it's Kentucky. Everybody gives Kentucky their best game because of the name value, even if this Kentucky team. Nobody's afraid of Kentucky anymore in the SEC. Not a single team is afraid of Kentucky anymore. Anybody can beat them on any given day. This is not Coach Cal's teams from earlier, early in his tenure at Kentucky when Kentucky was still the ruling team in the SEC. This isn't Kentucky's league anymore. Kentucky's Four and seven this year. Of course, three and one in conference play, but Tennessee's better than them. Alabama proved they were better than them. I think Auburn's about to go and beat them tomorrow. And, and I would say by about 10 points, I would not be, but I'm not going to put a type of statement that I did earlier in the week, say that they'd blow them out or anything. I, <laughs> I could easily see also because of Kentucky's talent, it being a close game going through and through and the clash of styles that could not work out for Auburn. But I like Auburn to win this game. You know, somewhere around by that 10-point mark, probably also into single digits, maybe eight, something like that. But I think this is the last game that we see Auburn amped up. Of course, they play Arkansas the next game, and it's on the road. And that one, they may be looking for revenge. So my question to you guys is, when does Auburn's energy, we've talked a lot about energy, it's on a high, it's up there. When does it return back to its resting point? So I think it depends on Justin Powell. I think if Powell returns tomorrow then you might not see it as much. It's more juice. That would be the downturn is the Arkansas game. I still think they'll have a good chance to win the Arkansas game because what I saw from Arkansas recently is not good, and we'll see how they play against Alabama tomorrow. But I'm not sure if Powell's going to be back tomorrow. Bruce Pearl, he says he's day-to-day, and he's obviously last week he said Sharif Cooper wasn't eligible as a 2 o'clock on Friday, and then he played against Alabama. So That's true. Powell might play. Who knows? We don't know yet. He – 
He said that. When then he, how effective will he be when he does step out there? Because head injuries, this one feels like he has a concussion. Yeah, and, and it feels like it's affecting Powell more than more so than it maybe does others. And we talked about that at the first time he got his injury. That sometimes it can affect guys for a month. He wasn't even on the court like with the team against Alabama. So I'm. It must be bothering him a lot because that was a week after, and you know, talking to people that have had concussions, I was just like, yeah, about a week later, I can start seeing lights and stuff i'm not out of, I'm not just in my room in the dark whereas Powell was not out there so we'll see if he's even in the arena tomorrow and if that's not if he is then that's good for next wednesday against arkansas i've never had a concussion ever i cannot imagine how terrible that is because i'm a wimp when it comes to headaches i'm like someone give me a tylenol i'm going to sleep <laughs> I'll wake up later but i can't imagine like a perpetual migraine that doesn't allow you to see lights it's not fun. Like I'll, t- I'll talk. So from you've zero. been there. Okay. Yes. Not fun. Not fun. It's uh. It's very very just. They always said, and mine was one where I didn't realize I'd had it until a little bit later. But yeah, you. you so yours this, wasn't as bad, maybe. Well, mine was. It's. I also had a lot of adrenaline going at the time. Sure. So the concussion in the aftermath of it, I just remember sitting down and thinking, I feel like I'm going to throw up, and it it affected me for again mine only hit me for about three to four days and it was one of those things where the lights weren't bothering me but you could tell that it more or less felt like my body like my equilibrium was a little bit off and you know he could be experiencing things like that and he he might feel better than we think he feels but he also might feel like he's not in a position to play a basketball game which is you know incredible he might not want to hit the head again he might be you may may wonder what minute restrictions look like for him true yeah, he he just. How might. long can he go? What what type of game shape is he in? Missing two weeks of basketball sets you back a little bit with game shape. It really does. These guys are finely tuned athletes, having to play at peak performance yeah, I mean, for forty minutes, and he was having to log a lot of minutes before Sharif Cooper came back and before he sustained his injury. So you wonder what that looks like for him moving forward as far as minute restrictions. How how long can he go? He could again. That's that's a good point. Look at James Harden. James Harden took a few weeks off and he got chunky. So now he has, <laughs> now he's not in game shape. He's not in game shape anymore. So I mean, Justin Powell. I'm not saying Justin Powell's going to come back chunky, but he could come back a little bit winded and out of shape. Yeah, James Harden's bringing the big three to to Brooklyn, right? So <laughs> he's big in the big number three for McDonald's. About Powell, the most frustrating thing about it is how he got injured. Do you, do you have you guys seen how he got injured? No, I haven't. So in the Texas A&M game with about a minute left in the first half. I'm expecting this to be funny. You said it was funny. It's not funny. It's frustrating. Okay. So he's in the corner, and he drives baseline and passes off, and he starts backpedaling towards the free throw line, and Baba Tunayakimbola comes running in full speed, and they bump heads. And hit him in the back of the head. I don't know how Stretch didn't break his nose. Man. It doesn't make any sense, but – because he, he's stretch. Yeah. He, stretch hocking bowl. Powell hits the ground. He, he's grabbing his head. He gets up and gets back on defense. And they shoot a shot, get an offensive rebound, and he's still grabbing his head. Jacob, appreciate you coming on with us today for our first edition of Student Body Friday. Maybe we'll be able to get you back next Friday, too. Thank, thank you for having me on. I'd love to do it every Friday. Appreciate it, man. I will see you sometime soon. Enjoy your basketball game tomorrow. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Urban Meyer introduced to the Jaguars. Didn't know this. First NFL head coach hired without NFL experience since Chip Kelly. Hmm. Didn't work out well. That did not work out well. I think for a variety of reasons. For Chip Kelly, other more so than just that he didn't have NFL experience. Mainly because I don't think the NFL game was ready for the system that he wanted to bring to the league and he just did not have the personnel i mean you take lamar jackson out of the nfl does the college system find its way into the nfl slowly just not as not to the degree it has i mean a no. lot of teams are running the read option it's read option rpos I'm left so and right in the nfl right now and again that's a lot a lot of thanks to lamar jackson and guys like deshaun watson who come in with that mobility and they want to get the most out of their best player on their roster so again it's Chip Kelly was a little before his time coming in at you know at the juncture he came in. He'd be a little bit more suited for today's NFL if he could piece that kind of. There's job no way together. he makes it back. Oh no, absolutely He'd not. Be, he's he's going to be lucky to get things built at UCLA. Be lucky that, to have a people job. are wanting him out. I was about to say he's going to be lucky to have a job at UCLA in a year or so. There's people no need, way. People need to pump the brakes on Chip Kelly right now, though. Mora didn't leave them with a whole lot of talent. No, and I think we've seen improvement every single year with chip kelly at ucla give them some time this year was the most competitive we've seen them two years ago even when they had a losing record i mean they, they were, had a chance to go to the pac-12 title game yeah, like, dtr has been a really good quarterback oh yeah. for him in that system so i mean give it time remember three years you want to give him three years you want to give him a lot well, it's of time been three years but give i don't know if you can time. count this year as having given a That's, guy three uh, yeah years. i don't i don't count this year it's yeah. covid19 i mean come on Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. I want to continue this discussion that we ended the first hour with. Urban Meyer hired to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We asked, how do we envision this working out? I brought up that I wonder how much control he's going to have over personnel decisions. You add in also what we just opened this segment saying that he doesn't have any NFL experience. How is that going to affect this situation? Of course, haters are going to find a way to say that Urban Meyer is going to fail in Jacksonville, but they've got several draft picks to work with. They've got the number one overall draft pick to work with. And if you're Trevor Lawrence, obviously the reasons why he's going to be heading off to the NFL, that that mark has changed. Of course, he when the, when the Jets were the worst team in the NFL <laughs> – he didn't know if he was leaving for the NFL. Now the Jaguars are the worst team in the NFL. And, of course, a lot of people linked Dabo to Jacksonville at the time, and he might have been going to play for his for his head coach in Clemson. Well, that's not happening, but I think Trevor Lawrence is going to the right coach for a quarterback to go with because Urban Meyer knows a ton about offense. And for a while in college football, he was the offensive name, and that always rang true. Of course, he, he always understood and always had great offenses – in college football, of course, new shiny coordinators always come along. You're Tom Hermans, who coached under him at Ohio State. You're Steve Sarkeesians. All of those guys come along. But Urban Meyer was always consistently the guy in college at offense and was always consistently having top-tier programs in college football. What's the first big step for him in the NFL to be able to take a step forward and have consistently, which the NFL, talk about consistency, it's as hard as ever to establish consistency in the NFL. Yeah, it starts uh, April 29th 
and that's drafting Trevor Lawrence. That's the first big step. That's the obvious first step. You're going to go out there, get your quarterback of the future that you presume. And again, uh, they have about, what, $75 million in cap space this year, along with 11 draft picks. They can really use those draft picks, get a lot of good young talent, a lot of early talent. I think they have two first rounds, two second rounds uh, extra this year. And, I mean, there's some good free agents out there. I mean, you could go out for a tight end like a guy like Hunter Henry and really solidify your tight end position as well. I mean, Chris Godwin's available and Allen Robinson, which the receiving depth really hasn't been the issue for the Jags, but you do want a true number one. And I think we talked about that where off air where there's not a true number one in Jacksonville in terms of a receiver. I mean, you have good pieces. DJ Shark, LaVisca Chenault is a good young guy. Cole, I mean, it wouldn't be... It would be pretty cool to see them reunite Allen Robinson, bring him back home, or maybe Chris Godwin get a guy like him to have a number, another number one. Again, lots of cap space here. They can get a lot of big free agent names if they really want to bring in, help this team out. And again, all the draft picks, man. So many draft picks. Yeah. Urban Meyer's walking into not a good situation right now, but a good situ- But what could be After a really April, good, it could be. It could be. You have a... You're starting... Or a good start. I won't say good situation. I'll say good, good start. Good start. Good starting I think the Jaguars point. are one of the most poorly ran franchises in all of the NFL. Jets would like to have a word. At least the Jets have gone to the playoffs recently. I mean, I guess the Jaguars, yeah, of that, course. They, I they know. were one play away from a yes, Super Bowl. Yes, I know, but... Against what the happened, supposed GOAT. But what happened next year? What happened the very next year? How do you go from that? They were a one-hit wonder. How do they go from that... To being where they're at now, two Blake, years later. Play Bortles. Sure. But the fact, still, the, the quarterback situation remains the same there. I'm not anymore. And personnel decisions. You're about to, you're about to get it solidified also, now. Also with personnel decisions that they've made, they, they went quickly from one play away from the Super Bowl, and then over the span of two years, three years, they're now at 1-15. and 15. I think they, they had realized. some talent on that roster going into this year. It's not like they haven't been drafting high for the past couple of years. Josh Allen's on that defense line. They had Yannick Ngakwe. They have DJ Shark at wide receiver, D.D. Westbrook. They had Leonard Fournette. Need I go on? Look at the pieces yeah, that they Leonard had on Fournette, offense. Leonard Fournette's overrated. He's really not even that good. He's the second best running back on Tampa's roster As right far now. as potential is concerned with players that they've had on their offensive roster, it's been there. I also think on defense, too, they just brought in C.J. Henderson. C.J. Henderson's a good player, good they, young player. Joe Schobert was good with the Browns. Very Once again, good. I go back to head Yannick Ngakwe. They let him go. Josh Allen as well off on the edge. Defensive tackles aren't very good there. I mean, I think they the got into a position. Aren't very good. I think they got in a position where they had to trade a lot of these guys, where they realized that this team wasn't going to progress any further anymore. So Miles Jack on defense too. Sorry, you, to no, you're you fine. You, I'm you, still just naming guys well, like. You, so for those out there, Noah has been playing a season with Jacksonville on Madden. So he, I went seven he knows, and nine this year, not one and fifteen. <laughs> he knows this. I found he knows a way. this roster. He knows the roster top to bottom. He I knows was on these the guys. I was on the verge of the of the playoffs. You know, I, I, look another one. Ronnie Harrison. They get rid of Ronnie Harrison. He's the starting strong safety for the Cleveland Browns, and he's been a great surprise for my team. Like <laughs> they've had the players poorly ran franchise. The fact that it can't materialize. Also, look at the division they're in. Constantly one of the weaker divisions in the AFC. Look at how bad it was this year. Constantly one of the weaker divisions. I, I mean, I think I think it's a little harsh to say they're one of the worst because I think they got to a point where they wanted to just blow it up and try to restart. You get rid of Jalen Ramsey because you don't want to pay him. You get a first-rounder out of it. You, you're not going to pay Fournette. You get rid of him. You you shipped a lot of these guys off, got a lot of picks. You, got, you Don't forget, this team has been to 
a couple AFC championships at this point for a team that was who what? hasn't they were genesis <laughs> they were genocizing well you gotta think they were also you know conceived in what the nine nineteen ninety four 1994 sure. I think was when they started so the Texans have done it though I don't think the Texans have been to it oh Maybe. no last year last year they went to the AFC championship last year so yeah I mean I don't know I don't think I don't think that they are I don't think it's What's the word I'm looking for here? I just I think they've been doing what they needed to do in terms of rebuilding a roster and trying to make it as effective as possible. I think they realized what they had was not going to get them there. And even if you were a quarterback away with Blake Bortles, who are you going to bring in? You're going to bring in Kirk Cousins? Absolutely not. Horrible. You were not going to bring in a guy like that. So, I mean, start over from scratch. Get a lot of good young players. Get them on cheap contracts. Texans haven't done it. My bad. I didn't think they had. They hadn't. Last year, remember, they got they, they got they got blown out by KC. When they were up 24 to right. nothing. Yep. The Titans, it, the Titans were in the AFC Championship last year at the next week. I mix, I mix those two games together. They were so similar to me in so many different ways. So It's one of the weaker divisions in all of the NFL on a consistent basis, especially at the bottom. Their bottom is bad. Their bottom every year feels like they have one of the worst teams in the AFC. The Jaguars right now, they have a core of players that I think could be developed, but now they're, I mean, they're sitting at 1-15. This is an uphill battle for Urban Meyer. I don't know if it's going to work out. I there had now granted I don't think that there were too many other options after this year to for the Jaguars to go after Urban Meyer probably was a good decision. I if the Cleveland Browns had hired Urban Meyer last year after they fired Freddie Kitchens, I'd be like, all right, let's give it a shot. I mean, let's it's give a good, it a shot. It's a good chance to start. I mean, what do you have to lose at this point? And also with the Leonard Fournette thing, they have James, they have big game James Robinson. What, you don't need Leonard Fournette when you got big game James, top five fantasy player. Thank you, James Robinson, for all the fantasy points this year. I really appreciate it, buddy. I mean, he's great. Like, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to look for in this team. If Urban Meyer can be the coach who puts it together, I mean, it's worth a shot. I mean, what do you got to lose? If you were Miami, if Miami could go from what they were last year to what they were this year, I mean, it's possible, I guess, especially in that division. Once again, I can't stress enough. It feels like one of the weaker divisions every year in the football. AFC says so too. The Dolphins that's division. That's true. That's true. And you that that's I think that's something that can that can really help you take a step forward when you're trying to rebuild. Is your division and the teams that you're playing against matter a lot? So there's room to grow there if you're Urban Meyer. We got one more segment here on On the Line. Stay with us. 15 minutes away from the drive. You don't want to go anywhere. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Last segment of On the Line in 13 minutes. We'll have the drive with Bill Cameron following us on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on foxsports983.com and on Facebook. That's foxsports983.com. You know, my wife texted me midway through the show, and she told me that she thought Jamie and Sherwood's departure was detrimental. It, it's she's not wrong it's, <laughs> it's not bad wrong. it's not wrong it is pretty detrimental to this Auburn defense 
Thank you, wifey, for for joining the show today. And if you guys want to join the show, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It's Friday and that means a new episode of Shark Tank at 7 on ABC. Some people like to read books or watch TV for fun. Others like to chase tornadoes. Twister is on AMC at 7. There are Star Trek folks and there are Star Wars folks. Tonight, Trekkies can watch Star Trek at 7 on BBC. Grab a blanket and your significant other and ponder the sadness of 51st Dates on E! at 6.30. The Friday Night Live sports schedule is limited but intriguing especially in the NBA. Two games are on ESPN starting at 6.30 with Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks at Giannis Antetokounmpo in the Milwaukee Bucks. At 9, LeBron James and the Lakers host Zion Williamson and the Pelicans. Let's take a look at college basketball slate starting at 6. Duquesne at St. Bonaventure on ESPNU and Bowling Green at Buffalo on CBS Sports Network. Out on the West Coast, Fresno State takes on Nevada at 10 on FS1. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. Back on all the line here with you, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Wrapping up the show, we got about 11 minutes left. Let's get into this Auburn basketball topic. But before we do, the NCAA tournament, there were there was a 24-7 sports article that I saw today, very intriguing, said that they're going to use an S-curve for NCAA tournament seeding. Basically, that's like a snake draft in your fantasy football leagues. The number one overall seed is going to have the worst two seed with them, but the best three seed inside their region. Of course, the NCAA tournament this year is going to be solely hosted in Indianapolis at like six different gyms in a bubble-like scenario. But I feel like this this is something they should have already been doing. Of course, they they have focused so heavily on creating like second-round matchups and then also on top of that, locations. I feel like this is what they should have been already doing, and it would have created a really balanced field. You wouldn't be getting, you know, you wouldn't be getting, trying to think, you wouldn't be getting region of death and also some, like, cupcake regions. You know, of course, sometimes you see, like, what Auburn had to deal with when they went to the Final Four. You got all the Blue Bloods in one region. I mean, I I think it would have worked out a little bit better, maybe, if they had done this S-curve already. It, I, I like the move, especially for this year, where you're not doing it based off of, geography you're sure. you know everybody's gonna be in indianapolis it's a good so word it's geography geography yeah it's uh it's not gonna be you're not gonna be doing it based off locations so this is the year to do it if you're gonna do it do it this year obviously it probably won't be here moving forward you know the ncaa has to make that money you know they gotta they gotta make the money off the backs of people who don't make money but you know that's just a topic for another day so I like it. I think it's going to be, produce more balanced brackets, better games, and honestly, it should be a really fun tournament if we make it that far. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping this actually just makes the tournament, which is already one of the most wildly incredible moments in sports that happened. You know, one of the it's the biggest tournament that happens in sports, so it can make it even better because it'll be more balanced. You'll have a lot more teams, a lot more upsets, quote unquote, because these teams will be more balanced. So I like the move this year. It's not. I don't think it'll happen moving forward, but it's going to be fun for one year. Let's see how it goes. For this year, it makes sense. They're all in the same location. They're all on the in the same geographical location, as you would say, Levi. All right, let's wrap up the show here talking about Auburn basketball's game against Kentucky tomorrow, one p.m. ESPN. Auburn hosting the four and seven, but three and one Kentucky Wildcats. Rough non-conference schedule. 
I would say even rougher loss to Alabama on or Tuesday night. They lost Alabama by 20 points on their home floor. Now they've got to pack up and go on the road to one of the tougher road environments in college basketball when fans are let in attendance. Seven and six, one and four Auburn team. I think this is the beginning of a streak. I'm expecting Auburn to play well. Need to cut down on the turnovers, but this Kentucky team's also not going to pressure Auburn as much as maybe Arkansas, Alabama, Georgia. Some of those teams were notable. Ole Miss, another team that that is notable for being able to turn the other team over and and were some of the better defensive teams in college basketball. Of, Of course, Kentucky this year is holding their hats on defense and they're one of the slower teams in college basketball. They're, they're a little bit more offensively challenged at the moment. They're only averaging 68.2 points per game, and I, think that, and I don't think that's a big factor of their style of play. I think that's legit. They're having a hard time scoring the basketball because you look at their field goal percentage, 42% from the field. Auburn should be licking their chops at the home floor where you know that they can shoot the basketball lights out in Auburn Arena. This is one that could get out of hand if Auburn can get on a run. I'm not going to sit here and say blowout, though, like I did earlier in the week. I'm not feeling as good about blowout here, but I know Auburn's going to get up for it, and I think Auburn gets the win. If you look back to when Auburn played A&M, and that game was really close. Similar similar play styles. Very slow down the pace. What's the difference between that game and this game? It's at home. One, at home. Sharif Two, Cooper. Sharif Cooper. You have There's a, a point guard You have a floor. legitimate point guard, which when you're running that half-court offense and it slows down, you have to set up the offense. This this is a lot better matchup for Auburn now that he's in the lineup, as you would expect, because, I mean, he's a fantastic player. But just his position alone, a natural point guard who can go against a slower Kentucky defense, I agree with you. I think it could potentially get out of hand if Auburn can control tempo and really – attack Kentucky and limit the turnovers we say it we say it every game we tell them they have to limit turnovers I mean it's it's a problem it's the weakest point of this Auburn team right now and if they can limit the turnovers control the tempo you could see Auburn really run away with this one again I don't think that's going to happen I'm thinking somewhere between like five maybe ten some somewhere around there like I think they win not handily it's probably close throughout and then Auburn pulls away late or you know, Kentucky misses a shot late. You have some free throws that happen for Auburn, and then next thing you know, it's a five to eight, five to ten point game. As far as pure athleticism is concerned, to be able to go on to the next level, this is the game for Sharif Cooper, where we finally get on film what he looks like against guys that even coming out of high school were built to also go to the NBA draft with him. So now you're getting a, you're getting a look at him on film to see how that could translate. So I'm keying in on his performance. If he continues to tear it up, he's going to continue to climb draft boards as the year go, goes on. Another factor to look at, the, at in this ball game: blocks per game. Kentucky has even more than Auburn, and Auburn just had a 14-block game. Kentucky's averaging 6.4 blocks per game. Of the teams on Auburn's schedule that Sharif Cooper has played up to this point, Alabama and Georgia, this Kentucky team I think has better shot-blocking ability and a better rim-protecting interior than the other teams that Sharif Cooper has played against of course I was about to make a point and when you're talking about getting in the half court and things slowing down it's nice to have a point guard well it's also nice to have a point guard that could get to the rim as well as Sharif Cooper can when the shot clock is is dwindling and you need to get a shot up Sharif Cooper's been effortlessly been, being able to get to the rim he's been attracting a lot of attention down low being able to dish it off with some nice pocket passes being able to find fellow high school teammate you know Dylan Cardwell he's matching up really well and play really well with his teammates this game Auburn's facing a team that has the shot blocking ability that Auburn has how is that going to affect his game when it gets down low that's something that NBA scouts I think will be able to evaluate after this game and see 
oh, this guy could still score on guys that were bigger than him, could still score on NBA-like rim protection, maybe low-scale NBA-like rim protection. But it, this is about as close as you get in college basketball when you're talking about NBA-ready players you're playing the Kentucky Wildcats. It's it's good. I mean, that's, like you said, the one-and-done factory. I'm pretty sure you said that plenty of times this week. So this is a good test for Sharif Cooper and the Auburn Tigers to see where they're at right now. It's a good show today, my man. That was a great was a Friday. Great Friday. It was a great show. It was, oh, a, great it was a great week. week. It was a great right. week. We great always week. love it. Heading into the weekend here on On the Line. Following us, we've got The Drive with Bill Cameron. Make sure you talk to those guys. You'll be able to call in, talk to Bill Cameron, Dan Peck. The Drive with Bill Cameron coming up after us. Thank you for listening to another edition of On the Line. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. You know where to find us.